this the dagger? Illegal substitution, too many men on the field, Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block and the sideline. He has not stepped out, he may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up, what a move, shoots, scores! everybody yeah this is podcast 91 of the outsiders which is powered by the mcintosh group at remax river city my name is bryn griffiths he's robin brownlee it's the two of us today how you doing robin i'm i'm outstanding what's that song just the two of us we should have come in with that don't you think yeah that would have been an appropriate song to play last week when the leon drysaddle jim matheson thing had kind of developed but uh, let's not go down that road on this episode because uh I just don't, I don't think people at the end of the day really care, although they did pick sides. But nonetheless, let's let's move on. But let's talk about the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. Big win over the Calgary Flames, a win they absolutely, in my estimation, had to have. Because if they didn't win that game, you know, it's one thing to lose. And would that have been seven or eight in a row? I think it would have been seven. I think they were sitting at seven losses in a row. Nonetheless, lose that one. And it probably was going to cost the coach's job, I believe. The other reason being is that you don't just lose that game. You're losing it to the wrong team, the Calgary Flames. And you could just kind of feel the tension in the arena on Saturday night. And you could see the relief on the faces of the players, not on the coach's face, but on the players' faces when the Oilers walked into the media room afterwards. But it was just a very, very big win. And the guy who's been taking a lot of heat lately, Miko Koskinen, for my money, you can take a look at Leon Dreisaitl having himself a hell of a game. But Amiko Koskinen made a stop in the middle of the third period that was fantastic. Could be a career saver. Could be a, could be a career marker. But it was a big game for him, and he powered the hockey club to a win. And that's something that the fans really needed to see. I think that's something the team needed to see as well, Robin. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'd love it if somebody would make a – do a little meme or whatever of Koskinen sliding into the frame like he did to make that save with the arm and the glove on yeah. top of the pad you're talking to. I mean, that was fantastic. You know something we were talking before we came on, uh, you know, after the game, I, I sometimes have to top off uh, an item I'm, I'm writing for Oilers Nation, even if it was supposed to stand on its own without the result but i had to put in a paragraph about koskinen because they they lose that game by a couple of goals if he doesn't play that way yeah and he take he takes a lot of crap and and a lot of it's justified in my mind when you look at the save percentage you look at the first goals against but i tell you what he was the difference there and well that doesn't undo everything uh some of the difficulties he's had in in goal if you want to talk about timing if you were going to come up with one really great game, that was the night to do it. Because like you say, there was a lot of noise about what would happen if they lose. I'm not as I'm not as convinced as you are, Bryn, that it results in a coaching change. I think that becomes a, 
a buzz in, on press row. It certainly is is a buzz among the fans because, frankly, they just get frustrated. Um, do they hand it off to Glenn Gullitson uh, if they lose that game? I I'm not going to say no way, but I don't. I just don't. I don't see it. Um, but yeah, a bit. It's a big win. The funny thing is now. And you play them one at a time. We yep. got Vancouver, there's Vancouver coming up next. They've got their own world of hurt going on right now uh, with their goaltending situation. But the Oilers actually have, I'm looking at this, Bren, Vancouver on Tuesday, uh, Nashville on Thursday. That's in Edmonton, uh, right? Yeah. Montreal Saturday. In Montreal. Yeah. And, and Ottawa Monday. Well, Ottawa and Montreal, if you can't beat those clubs, you really are in a world of hurt. Um, you know, unless something goofy happens with with one of the teams. Again, we're dealing with this ongoing so-and-so is into COVID protocol. I'd love to get rid of that, but the COVID doesn't care what I would love. It keeps sneaking up and biting teams. But on the face of it, on the surface, all things being equal, Nashville's a tough game. That's a 55-point club as of today. Mm-hmm. Three of those four games are very winnable, and all of a sudden, if you if you take three of four, now you've won four out of five when you put the Calgary game in there. Doesn't change some of the areas of concern because they are legit. PK's been in the shitter. Goaltending has not been good enough. It's it's the save percentage has started with an eight for a long time during this bad stretch since December first, and depth scoring has has been an issue. But it, at least it quiets and muffles some of the noise where we got to do something and we got to do it now. Well, I think you probably have to do something in those areas. That's fair comment. But to do it now or have it done yesterday, it's hard to make the right move when you're doing it with your hair on fire. Guy that uh, I don't think got enough play for the way he played in the game on Saturday night was uh, Yesipuli Arvi, who was really living in the blue paint all night on the two uh, Bouchard power play goals, and the power play comes alive for the Oilers again, and they win. What a shock. Yeah. Anyway, Pugliarvi was constantly in front of the net. On the Leon Dreisaitl goal, uh, he uh, he was uh, well, he was heavily involved in that, drawing two men to him, which allowed a one-on-one for Leon to make the move right in front and uh, score the big goal, the biggest goal of the hockey game. But he never, uh, you know, you take a look at the at the stats for Pooley-Arvey, and I'm just kind of going through it right now. He um, he didn't really even factor in to anything except the fact that he was in the right place at the right time because he went there, because he should go there. And it's the little things that players do that don't show up on, on the score sheet, right? And uh, they need more of that, and they got a lot of it in that game against Calgary. Third period, I thought, was dominated by the Calgary Flames, but it was goaltending that led the way for the Oilers and guys doing the right things at the right time. The power play has come alive again, and they've, you know, they they rode that power play really hard through the first 45 days of the schedule, and then it's gone cold because other teams figured out, you know, if we all played down a little lower to the net, they can't do that cross-the-ice pass to Leon Dreisaitl for the one-timer. We could... uh, we could really have a good shot of knocking off their power play every night. Well, it's up to the Oilers to reinvent themselves. Maybe they have a little bit. We'll see when they take on Vancouver. 
Well, to go back to Paul Yarvey, what I like about his game, and, you know, he's not putting up big numbers, but what he's doing, and I mean, maybe I'm just slow on the uptake here. Uh, he plays a much more linear game now. He goes from A to B. He used to play what I called a, a loopy game, whether he was chasing the puck or uh, going to check, he would he would take a nice big circle or it was seldom in a stop, start, straight line, the ugly, choppy, stop, dig in, change directions. He would loop, he would glide, and that would be defensively and it would be offensively getting pucks. Now, he's got a, to me, he's got a surprisingly quick first step and he jumps, he goes to the puck in a, in a straight line. And to me, that makes a lot of difference. It buys him. It, it, it gets him there quicker and buys him more time. He is very hard on pucks. Now, as for the power play, I tell you what, uh, and this is, you know, with Tyson Berry out, you know, uh, Evan Bouchard got some more time. And I tell you what, I'm not, of the group that says, look, Evan Bouchard's a guy. It's obvious trade Tyson Berry. Now it's nice to have too much instead of too little, but Evan Bouchard is showing that he can be the kind of point producer and power play runner back there that Tyson Berry has been. That's a nice uh, card to have in your hand. If you do get to the point where you think, what could we get for Tyson Berry? Cause Evan Bouchard's the real deal, man. I'm telling you. Do you believe that there's a deal coming here in the next two weeks? And, and, I guess we can talk about the Evander Kane thing. Some of the rumbles and the rumors I heard out of the East on Sunday was the fact there would be no further suspension, which would allow any team to sign Evander Kane at this point. I still believe that the Oilers are going to try to do something, but, you know, there's a lot of baggage that comes with Evander. We certainly have talked about that plenty. But um, Ryan Nugent Hopkins was put on the LTIR, but, you know, I – I've also heard that uh, the Nuge could be back by the end of the week. So obviously a little math was being done and is continuing to be done by the hockey club, but I'll be really fascinated to see how the week plays out. Help me understand why there would be no further suspension given what, what's happened. I, I have no idea. I don't know the full story. I would have okay. to think that the league's going to know the full story. And if they think that there's no suspension worthy, then they know something we don't. Yeah. 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 And that's entirely possible. I, you know, for a while it seemed the story was, well, any team that wants them is going to have to wait, you know, however long once, you know, after this new suspension and now there's some doubt cast on that. Uh, I've said how I feel about that. So I won't go on and on. Uh, If there's talk out of the East, let all the talk happen in the East. We don't need any of it here. That's just my take. I'm a big believer too, in waiting for the full story to come out. And often we don't get the full story. So, uh, I, I, you know, if the league has talked to somebody about uh, the allegations of, of, uh, of Evander Kane kind of uh, trying to uh, sidetrack the whole uh, vaccination thing, well, if the league's looked at it and they don't think it's worthy of a suspension, then I got to think there's a lot of just innuendo and rumor involved with what we're hearing. So, I'm call me... Uh, Call me a little innocent, but at times I still like to think that a league would take a look at something and they'll make the right decision most times because we don't have, well, I, I know we don't get the full story. We just don't. 
but it's so easy to jump to conclusions. So I got to talk about another big thing that hit me really hard on Friday night. And that is, I was, uh, I'd had a long day at work. And so I got home and I went, you know what? It's the new episodes of Ozark are out on, (laughs) uh, on Netflix. And I went, and I love that show. So I was very excited about it, but I was tired. And, uh, about 10, 15 minutes in, I nodded off on the couch, which is not unusual for a guy of my vintage these days. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Lori said, okay, hang on a minute. Stopped everything. Says, well, watch this when you're a little more awake. And, uh, and then I checked my phone and I was horrified to hear the news about Clark Gillies. And yeah. Clark, I got to know him a little bit in Moose Jaw when I was there doing the play-by-play with the Moose Jaw Warriors. Clark would come into town every summer for two to three weeks to visit his mom and his brother, Doug. And he always held this, this invitational golf tournament and all the Prairie NHL guys that were from Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and some of the Alberta guys would always flock into Moose Jaw and play in this big event. But there were other times where he wanted to play golf at the Hillcrest golf and country club. And so I was fortunate enough to be invited numerous times to come and golf with him. Two things that stood out for me. One is, Never seen a big guy hit the ball so far and really not look like he was trying to kill it. And all it told me was, you know what? Maybe I'm trying to swing too hard. Maybe I should just let the kinetics work for me like it was for Clark Gillies. Of course, that was never going to be the case. He was just a naturally gifted athlete. But the other thing was, wow, what a great guy he was. Just absolutely sensational. Great sense of humor. Big smile. And I'm thinking, this can't be the big tough guy that I was watching play for the New York Islanders in those four Stanley Cups. And then you hear all the stories later on about what a great teammate he was and mm-hmm. and how much he affected the community, not just the Islander team, but what he did in the community in New York. And the other thing that I always remember, after my days in Moose Jaw were done, when I'd go into New York City and I had his number and just called to say, hi, I'm in New York City, where are you? I said, well, I'll be at the game tonight. Okay, well, I'll come and see you during the second intermission. Are you going to be upset? Yeah. He always was great. He always liked that that Moose Jaw connection. He was a Moose Jaw guy at the end of the day and yeah. a New York City guy, New York Long Islander guy. But he was one of, those, one of those great guys. It just took the wind right out of me and woke me up. And I had a lot of tough times sleeping. Died from cancer. I, I don't know what type of cancer. That's irrelevant for me. The sad part is we lost him. And uh, I still remember how much debate there was on whether or not he was a legitimate Hockey Hall of Fame guy. I always believed he was because Mike Bossy and Brian Trotche said he was because if he didn't go into the corner and get the loose puck, it wasn't Trotche to Bossy and in. And, uh, and I, I don't think it's all about goals and assists in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I think that there's other guys that are role players that are great role players and deserve to be in there. And I believe that he was one of them. Yeah. It's, you know, Brent, I didn't have that connection uh, with Clark. In fact, by the time I got uh, to covering uh, the NHL as a beat, uh, he had retired. He was out of Buffalo, 87, 88, uh, I was covering the dub back then and came to Edmonton in 89. Uh, 
But I do remember this. I do remember him as a young man in Regina, and he was one of those few players who came into Queen's Park Arena where the new Westminster Bruins played yep. and was every bit as aggressive and every bit as tough as he would have been uh, back home on home ice. And not very many players, a lot of players were pretty quiet in that arena with some of the, t- the teams the, the Bruins had under Ernie Punch McLean. Yep. And Gillies wasn't one of those guys. You know, the other guy, surprisingly, and I always remember was Harold Snaps. He was, he'd come in and he'd run somebody. He didn't give a crap. And if the Bruins were coming over the boards for him, so be it. But the, uh, the other thing for me, Bryn is, and I've talked about it before. I loved the Islanders when they were no good. And I had the, I had the Islanders jacket on when everybody was kicking them around because they had Clark Gillies. Uh, they had all those Western uh, Hockey League players, and they became my team. And, uh, you know, it, it, yeah, he was one of those guys you looked at and you thought, okay, Bossy and Troche are only can only be Bossy and Troche because of the big guy wearing number nine. He allows them to do what they do. He does what he does. Oh, and by the way, he's awful good for a big, tough player. He wasn't a, oh, yeah. he wasn't a, a, a 12 a 15 goal guy i mean you look at his numbers they're impressive um yeah and you see the stuff afterwards Bryn, for me not knowing him well uh you know having having not met him and sat down and talked to him as you often get to do around the the rink when you get into if you get into the business and you get to talk to some of the people you watch growing up that part's really cool i never did do that with clark but the outpouring of emotion after he passed his daughter, his son-in-law, a friend's family, old teammates. Uh, I mean, you get some of that anyway when somebody passes, but it's clear he was a really special man to a lot of people. Larry Brooks, who is a, a, is a, has been a longtime reporter in New York City, and yeah. uh, a lot of people know him more for his uh, comedy spiel and shtick with John Tortorella after <laughs> many, many games. Wrote a wonderful piece yeah. on Clark in the uh, New York Post just the other day was great. But the, the thing that, what I, here's what I, there's a few things that I remember. Big smile, bigger handshake. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Also was one of those many guys that got a hold of me before my surgery for my stomach cancer. And I, I hadn't heard from him for about maybe three or four years. Get this call out of the blue. Want to wish you the best, that kind of thing. But that was the kind of guy he was. Everybody just saw how he was on the ice, but he was even... If you thought he was great on the ice, he was a better guy. And I just, it just, uh, I was heartbroken when I got the news on, on Friday night, as a lot of hockey fans did. And uh, there's been a lot of wonderful, positive stuff said. So very, uh, very pleased to hear all the great stories that are coming out. It's always a shame that it takes an episode like this before people start sharing those stories. But you know what? The theory for me is if you're going to go, make sure you leave a wonderful legacy behind. And he's done that. Yeah. And uh, he's a kind of guy that I, I will never forget. And uh, so uh, our thoughts go out to the entire Gillies family and everybody with the New York Islanders. And uh, he will be missed. There's no no doubting that. Any other hot topics for you? Hey, the Edmonton Elks will be announcing this week that, yes, their new president will be Victor Kui, as we kind of alluded to last week when Jason Greger was on. You take yeah. a look at Victor Kui. And you see what he's done in his career. He's an Edmonton guy who hasn't lived here a ton lately, but has returned 
because uh, one of his uh, parents is uh, has Parkinson's, and he's on the uh, Parkinson's board here in Alberta. But you take a look, just Google Victor Kui, and you take a look at what he's been involved in, been really big in MMA, in particular over in Asia, and uh, take a look at the, the kind of Facebook and Twitter stats that the, that organization over there has uh, drawn. This guy's going to come in. He's going to shake up the smarty box a little bit, Robin. You're, he's going to be going after a certain demographic that the Elks have really missed out on. And it's almost like it's an over-hire or over-qualified hire for the Edmonton Elks. But I liked it last week when I, when I heard about it, and I'm liking it more over the past week because I've done a little more research on it. I think it's great. I think it's great for the whole, whole entire Canadian Football League, in fact. Well, here's the thing, Bryn, and, and, you know, you and I have discussed it, and, uh, you know, we're, we're a certain demo, and it's great that we've, we've uh, and both enjoyed the Canadian Football League over the years, as have many people our age. Uh, but you need to expand from that as a league, and that's the one thing that the CFL hasn't managed to do. And that starts, uh, you know, with bringing in younger people uh, at a league level, but also on a team level. All the teams add up to what you've got as a league, what you present. So when it comes to marketing and your game night production and and attracting uh, a broader base and, you know, a word gets used a lot now, being more inclusive of everybody, of people who aren't traditionally maybe Canadian Football League fans. Get You know what? I happen to, maybe I'm wrong. I happen to think it's a terrific game with the big field and the three downs. And I think if you get people in to watch it and you give them a reasonably uh, entertaining package to go with what just happens on the field you're going to expand your base and you need to do that. And the, Ed, the, the, the Edmonton Elks certainly need to do that. Um, I, you know, keep the old white guys as the, uh, as the uh, phrase went uh, during that one newser, but uh, expand because the younger people and making it cool and having people texting each other on their phones. Hey, you go into the game on the weekend. Uh, hey, what about this with our quarterback, so on and so forth. Uh, you know what? That's the way you need to go. If you if you refuse to see it and you don't change, you're going to get left behind. And I think in in some ways uh, this is a, uh, a club like others in the league that have been left behind a little bit. they got to catch up. Let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about how disgusting it is, something we saw on the ice. Over the last couple of days, let's also talk about the National Football League because I don't think I can remember a weekend where I've been so entertained and yelled at the TV so loudly as I did over these four divisional matchups. These eight teams put on a hell of a show this past weekend. I want to talk about that and how bad the NFL is once it gets inside two minutes and into overtime. NFL is a great league, but once it gets mm-hmm. to the two-minute mark, it just it's it, it's got to be fixed. I don't think they're ever going to fix it. We'll get into that in a bit. There's lots of other stuff to talk about, but we'll take a break. The Outsiders is brought to you by the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. So here we are. We're inching a little bit closer to Christmas. And you would think that in the Metro Edmonton market, 
things would be slowing down a little bit on the real estate front, but it's surprisingly very steady right now, which is great. Brent McIntosh is just back from his European junket where he was representing Canada along with other REMAX agents from across Canada. They were over in Europe having some fun, but Brent's back now and he's quite pleased with the way things are moving along. In fact, he just sold a home for a really good friend of mine, Chris, just recently. Took about 30 days to to uh, sell and then Chris went on and bought another home in the in the market. So there is definitely something going on and it is a positive. But if you are looking to sell your current home and maybe buy something new, then make sure you give them a call at 780-464-0075 or you can check them out online at macintoshgroup.ca. They'll start you off with a complimentary evaluation of your current home. There's no obligation at all and certainly no deadline for this offer, but don't let the market pass you by. So both buyers and sellers are more than welcome to call the Macintosh Group at REMAX River City. You can do it directly. Once again, the phone number 780-464-0075 or you can find them at macintoshgroup.ca and tell them the outsider sent you. Okay, let's carry on a little bit and talk about the National Football League. We talked about the CFL, now the NFL. Wow, the divisional matchup this weekend, it was, it was great. It was great theater, great drama. Every game went down to the last play. I can't remember a weekend like this. Not only that, the lead changes alone. Take a look at the Buffalo game. The late night Sunday game between Buffalo and Kansas City was unbelievably dramatic. The problem is it went into overtime, should never even have got into overtime. And once it got into overtime, it was decided basically by a coin flip. But, uh, well, Robert, let's talk about overtime for you. And and you've watched your share of NFL. The CFL, they kind of do it right. They do it like U.S. college football. It works nicely. Both teams get a shot at it. They've also eliminated the point after, and they go to two-point conversions, which also has made it interesting and fun to watch. But when you're watching a coin flip, and all the dramas on the coin flip as opposed to what's going to happen here. I, I get it. Buffalo needs to stop the Kansas City Chiefs from marching all the way down the field and scoring. But uh, when you have Jake Allen just sitting there on the bench and had himself an unbelievable game, he doesn't even get a chance to prove it, that he can take his team and bring him right back. It just seems like, it just seems so, I don't know, I had a bit of an empty feeling after watching a game that's probably one of the best games I've ever watched. Hmm. Well, you know, I'm, I'm with you, Bryn. And I, you know, you can say, I, and I did look, Hey, avoid all this uh, consternation. Just don't let them score. But the fact is you're putting the onus on one team to prevent a score out of the right out of the, the, the blocks. And if they get the TD, it's done. And your quarterback and your offense, uh, never gets off the sidelines. Uh, I don't like it. I mean, it makes the Canadian Football League version look like pure genius. And I don't necessarily like that, although I like it darn sight more than I like the, the, the NFL one. I'm a bit stubborn, and maybe it's not practical because I, I'm, not the, I'm not smart enough to be the only person that would have thought of this. I like less of a deviation from the actual game. It's just like like playing a quarter. Yeah. Th- that to me. Now, I mean, is there a tweak in there? Is there something? Yeah, I suppose. Um, but don't forget television is what's, th- this is the problem. It's TV. Yes. 
that's yeah. controlling overtime. It's not the league at the end of the night. But if you can, hey, you know what? I know, and 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 airtime's expensive time. But to me, if you can kick the field goal and move the the ball close enough, and I'm talking traditional field position now, not starting on this yard line. If you can kick the field goal, move the ball enough to kick a field goal, and you can get the ball back and run out the clock, and you win by three, okay, it's a longer time to get to the bottom line, but it's still very much the way the game is played during the rest of the game. Um, that said, I don't know if there's a version that works for football. Uh I was one of those guys who said, man, I don't know about this three-on-three -three stuff in overtime for hockey. Yeah. And I love it. Once Now that I've seen it, I love it. I don't, I'm don't. i not talking about fewer players on the field, but if is there a tweak that you could do for NFL? Because I, the bottom line is this. You had one, when that team scored, you know, when KC uh, scored the touchdown, that was it. That I almost was, felt let down. I felt let down. Yeah, you know, the other guys need to get a crack at it, period. Yeah. Period. And and speaking of the three-on-three -three with the NHL, I could do with another five minutes of that as opposed to yep. having the shootout. Yep. That would be fun for me. And you know what? I, I'm, a, I'm not like a lot of North Americans because I have no problem with watching a tie. If you're going to play 10 minutes of three-on-three -three and it's a draw at the conclusion of 10 minutes, I'm fine with that. That doesn't bother me. Do you have a problem with that? No, you know what? I again, I I didn't know that I would like it, and but I do. And now when they go to the shootout, I go, "Come on, man! That's 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 another step away from sort of the norm, the way the game is played for the first sixty minutes." Um, and you know what? There's no flow and there's no excitement there. Is there flow? Is there excitement when the guy's going in? Well, yeah, I move here, oh, stick handle, oh, shelf talk. Yeah. But you know what? It's choppy. Okay, next guy, oh, this guy has to score. Oh, look, he did. Okay, now we go. We keep going. Now, not the same. I want to see, you know, let, let's make it Edmonton-centric here for a moment. I want to see Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid and take your pick of the other guy. Or Johnny Goudreau going in for Calgary. That's what I want to see. Yeah, and there's a lot of ice there. And, you know, there's a lot of action. Yeah, sometimes there's some looping back and doubling back while they manufacture a, a change. But for the most part, it's still hockey. And I, lo I love the idea of seeing uh, McDavid and Dreisaitl or pick your two stars. Austin Matthews is another one I want to see. I want to see Sid. I want to see those guys. Have the have your two two have your two best guys coming down on one defenseman or or setting up the one time or whatever. That is still the showcase for the talent. Uh, uh, the shootout is stuff that you see guys fiddling around with at the end of practice. It's not it's not really part of the game in my mind. And just to finish off with the NFL, here's the thing: it's a great league. There's no denying that. However. Yep. The thing that, like I said, once it gets inside two minutes, I don't like it that the fact that coaches control the final two minutes by use of timeouts. I still like players and teams to decide inside the final two minutes. So I don't like that. I prefer the CFL's final two minutes, final three minutes. More can happen. And I yes. certainly don't like the way the overtime goes in the NFL. I, the, the thing that bothers me the most isn't the way they do it. It's the fact that they aren't prepared at the conclusion of every season 
to review it and say, can we make our product better? Yeah. What can we do? Well, we've always done it that way. Nothing drives me crazier than hearing that. Okay, well, you've done it that way and it stinks. So I don't like it. Speaking uh-huh. of stinking, the East Coast Hockey League, the Jacksonville Iceman, we had an episode this past weekend. Jacob Panetta. Yeah. Where do you, do you want? I'll let you start this one. Well, you know what? Uh, somebody said something this morning and put it the way I, I've thought of it for a while. Um, hockey is for everyone is right now. Unfortunately it's BS. That's our goal, but more accurate is hockey should be for everyone. We're not there yet. This shows that. Um, Was that not Akeem Alou who said that by the way, on a tweet I saw. May have, may, may, okay. It may have been, uh, you know, he's involved heavily, uh, you know, in oversight and, uh, of, of this topic. And, you know, I'm not going to say I grow weary of it because you can't get tired of it, and I'm not a victim of it. If I'm tired of it, imagine the people who are impacted by it, how tired they are. I am tired of the ignorance that still exists it's like really are we do we are we still having this battle and you know what the answer is yes yeah. and if the, and because it's yes we need to keep uh fighting it and keep getting indignant about it and keep calling it out when it happens and unfortunately these days some people want to call that because here you and I are uh, two white guys in our 60s. Yeah, but we're the ones who have to call it out. We yes. should be calling it out. We've never been a victim of this. We haven't had to live. We have, may have had people say shitty things about us for other reasons, but not strictly based on how we look, the, col- the color of our skin. Correct. And enough already. Like, can we not is there enough ignorant people left in the world that this is still an issue clearly yeah the answer sadly is yes so if this is found to be uh you know he he made an he made a explanation about he wasn't doing this he was i haven't seen a good enough angle to know and it doesn't matter to me i saw the reaction of the player and that would tell me that he interpreted it a certain way. And I'm not going to tell him how he should feel about that because I can't walk in his shoes. So if the decision is made on a, on a permanent basis, Bren, because it seems to me uh, he's been dropped now uh, by the team. If yes. I'm up to date here, Yeah. as far as the league goes, you know what? And this is this is the. Uh, this can't just be in the East Coast Hockey League. All leagues yeah, have to do everywhere. this. You got to jump in. This is where some people, and I don't understand the pushback because they want to call it the virtual sig- sig- signaling. Um, it's not virtual. It's it's, it's, it's the right sig- thing to do. It's the right to be offended by it, even if you're not impacted by it, like two old white guys. 
you sh- how can you not be offended by it? You don't have the same worth as me. You can't play the same game as me. Or when I get mad, I'm going to default to some ignorant uh, sound gesture or set of words that we've known for hundreds of years are offensive uh, because it's... Th- it's not the heat of battle. The heat of battle probably brings out your character or lack of same more than uh, anything else does. So if this is if this happened the way it looks like it did, pack up your skates. You're not playing in this league anymore. And uh, that goes for – and you can't move to just move to another one. And it's – it's mind-boggling to me, Bryn, and that's not because I'm a I, I'm this virtuous, smart, all understanding guy. I can be cranky and old, and but not but, over but the, Robin. Not it's over the right the thing. It's the right thing. Not, not over. You don't have a problem over the the color of a person's skin or how they choose to pray. I mean, God Almighty, can't we get past that? Yeah, I was taught to treat everybody the same, and that's why that's that's how I do it. That's just me. But not everybody's been taught that way, and I find that really sad. I don't want to end on a sad note. I'm trying to think: is there anything happy or positive we can end on? Anything going on? You know, Bryn. Actually, there is something coming up, and I want to talk about it. I wrote about it on the weekend at uh, Oilers Nation. We have got, and sorry, you can call it sort of an ode to the Heritage Classic, which has been 19 years, believe it or not, how quickly the time has gone. Uh, the alumni of the Oilers and of the Montreal Canadiens are going to stage an outdoor game at a place Edmontonians know well, at Sakers Acres. Ah, out in Sherwood Park. Now, we're not going world's longest hockey game here because that's what Sakes Place is known for. It's going to be a hockey game between the two alumni groups uh, on February 4th, and it's to raise funds for a project called Breathing Space, which is going to be sort of a an area where people who've undergone lung transplants can rest and recover. It's part of the uh, Alberta Lung and Northwest Territories uh, Foundation. It's a project they're putting up. And uh, it's really cool because it's going to be a couple of 10-team or 10-man rosters, and there's going to be a couple of buy-in spots with with each team. And so far, uh, I'm just looking at a group here, we have got from the Oilers. We've actually got Glenn Anderson, Fernando Pisani, and and George Lorac, uh, who played back at the Heritage Classic, uh, mm-hmm. either in the main game or in the what was it, the Mega Stars? Is that what the old? I think that's were? what it was. Yeah. Well, Andy was with the uh, the uh, Mega Stars, and Fernando and George were with the Oilers, uh, and Kevin Lowe is going to coach the Oilers alumni now. On the Montreal side of things, we're going to have... I see Mike Keene's coming in. I watched Keener play in uh, in Moose Jaw. He's a great guy. Lucy and Deblois. Nice. uh, Richard Sevigny. uh, Yvonne Lambert, he played in 2003. Uh, He's going to coach. Keene, Sean Bell. uh, Other Oilers. Now, I don't have the full names. The... the, uh, Alumni is going to make some announcements, Bryn, I think, in the in the coming week. But my understanding is 
Uh, Kyle Brodziak, Jason Strudwick, Louis DeBrusque, and Sean Brown will be in the in the fold with Anderson Pisani and and Lerac. So, oh, and uh, three fifteen minute periods. So again, not a marathon, but they're going to have. And it's online. They're going to have Jack Michaels and Bob Stoffer call the game online. Here's the thing people need to go uh, or need to understand, Brent, if they haven't read it at Oilers Nation or they don't see what the uh, Oilers release in the next week, it's basically uh, an online situation. There's, um, there's limited seating, and I think those seats are all but sold out. So, in other words, they, they, we can't have 5,000 people going out to Sakers sure. Acres. yeah. You can watch it online. There's going to be, uh, it'll be called by Jack and Bob. Uh, I think uh, Brar is involved in that too, uh, maybe as a game host. There's going to be an auction uh, of game-worn jerseys. And there's going to be a, an opportunity to donate. Uh, oh, and the uh, Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation is going to dedicate one of their 50-50 draws to the game. And we've seen how important that is. So that will go uh, towards this, this project. So that's fantastic. Everybody out there, keep an eye uh, for that news coming out from the Oilers. Hey, and, and by the way, maybe bit. we can get uh, my good friend, Kate Gallagher is involved with the promotion of that event. Maybe we can get Kate yeah. on our next podcast to kind of give us a few more details as we get a little bit closer to it. But anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, that, no, that's good because you got another um, one. You know, uh, yeah, after a, a, a two-year absence, and I'm happy to say this even though I'm not uh, directly involved uh, with the mustard seed at this point, uh, as I as I was for a few years there, uh, Hockey Helps the Homeless is returning um, May 6th. Uh, to this point, it's the seventh ed- edition of it. Uh, to this point, it's been a million bucks raised for uh, the mustard seed and the Jasper Place wellness center and that's going to be uh you know oilers alumni uh taking part in that again and then i'm sure there'll be some alumni from around the league hey we had we were speaking about the uh islanders earlier and and uh Clark Gillies, Bob Bourne was out uh, from the old Isles uh, Stanley Cup teams at the last time it was played. So that's good. It's back. It's back uh, May 6th. There's been a, a bit of a, a void there with people who really need the help desperately because of the COVID situation when the tournament was was uh, canceled. So, yeah, May 6th, 7th edition of Hockey Helps the Homeless. Beautiful. Hey, thanks for your time today. A little shorter version. It's uh, been the two of us. I've, I've enjoyed venting. And uh, it's been a great discussion. Hey, uh, let's uh, let's uh, also talk about a few other things. Let's talk about the fact you can check us out on Twitter. The handle is at Outsiders2020. Make sure you tell your friends to subscribe or follow our RSS feed too because when we drop a new episode, you'll get it on your favorite ear candy sites like Apple, Google, Spotify, Pocket Casts, Deezer, etc., etc. And we're also on YouTube as well. Robin, have we got a name for your luxurious studio in the southwest part of Edmonton yet? No name? No name. Let's Just... get on that. we got to have a name for your studio. The Robin's <laughs> Nest is the only one I've got so far. Come on. Somebody drop us a note on, on Twitter, please. Somebody. <laughs> and I, I'm recording at the Road 55 studio in downtown Edmonton. I'm a hockey pucks throw away from Roger's place. That's pretty much it today. Support is uh, greatly appreciated by everybody, and uh, we look forward to, to next week.
it's always uh, it's always a, a blast. And make sure too, because the growth of this thing depends on you retweeting to your buds that we uh, we're having some fun every Monday when we drop our new podcast. So uh, that's about it, Robin. That's it. Yes. Okay. Excellent. We'll talk to you next week. Yep. See you. Storm in the castle. Route 55.